Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We sound similar too. Do we? Tragic. (laughs) Must be a feminist thing. (laughs) Do you miss the days when all the answers to life's big questions could be found in the juicy pages of Dolly Doctor? Sex, friendships, relationships, family, life stuff. Dolly gave us total honesty with zero judgment. We learned that it wasn't weird to masturbate, like a lot and that periods can sometimes be tricky, unpredictable things. We talked about what to do when we had a crush on someone and how to get over relationship breakups. Having Dolly to turn to made all that teenage angst a bit more bearable. Adulthood was around the corner. We would all get our shit together, move to the city to become big-time businesswomen and sleep with Harrison Ford, like Melanie Griffiths in Working Girl. Was that just me? Life was happening. And then we all grew up and realised that everything is still confusing. Welcome to the Big Sister Hotline. Presented weekly by me, Clementine Ford, this is your place to ask all the questions you still don't know the answers to about sex, friendships, relationships, family and life stuff with the kind of frank advice you could expect to find from the person who loves you most, your big sister. Because life isn't easy. And sometimes we all need a big sister to call on. Hello, friends, wherever you're listening from, it's time for your weekly dose of big sisterly advice, just the way you like it. Frank, funny, and feminist as fuck. Thank you so much to everyone who's been downloading the podcast and leaving such generous reviews. It really does help with building a listenership, and I truly appreciate it. I'm very happy to report that Big Sister Hotline is also finally listed on Apple Podcasts, so please subscribe and leave a rating if you enjoy it. One of the best parts of putting together a feminist advice hotline is that I get to invite a whole bunch of amazing women to be my guest host. And this week, I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome a woman into my studio, aka my kitchen, who in my eyes is incredibly courageous, strong-minded and generous-hearted. This is a woman who has, through her own tenacity, talent and very charming personality, managed to face down an entire industry of diabolically produced reality television and spin the narrative in her favour, collecting an army of fans along the way and supporters. Guys, gals and non-binary pals, it is the one, the only... Abby Chatfield. Hello, Clementine. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here too, because you know that I'm a huge fan of yours and I uh, I loved your season and also full fully will own the fact that I was manipulated by producers and I it was it was pretty well done to be honest the manipulation even I would watch parts they're they're evil people but they are very good at what they do I mean yeah that's a thing and you can't a lot of the women as well so I'm like oh 
got to support. Well, <laughs> I no, get, you, you absolutely don't need to support women who are throwing you under the bus. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was very, it was very well done, and I think a lot of people fell for it. But I'm glad that I could kind of um, come out on the other side. I guess it wasn't easy. A lot of the advice you get from publicists is to just not talk about it and mm. to ignore your edit and to just try and continue on as if nothing happened. And after the show finished, I was like. Not like no, this is mm. this is complete bullshit. This is complete and utter bullshit that I've been made out to be a bad person and manipulative because I want to have sex with the person that yep. is on screen. I was at a point after the show that I sort of thought everyone in the world hates me. I may as well just post what I think and then maybe one person can relate to it and that can be it and then mm. I can just keep doing it. And then I people responded really well and now people like me, which is a strange thing to think and now my imposter syndrome is yeah crazy crazy what I noticed about it afterwards and the way that I'd been manipulated in my feelings was how those edits really play on our fear of beautiful sensual confident women and it's the whole Madonna whore Mm -hmm. dichotomy even someone like me who is very well versed in that and pretty well educated about what's going on and the manipulation and the kind of greater social sphere of that was still watching and had those like deeper internal insecurities stoked by that um, message because what we were always taught is to be suspicious of the girls that Mm -hmm. that the men like well yeah I think I think I saw that edit coming from the start because I knew Chelsea and Chelsea and I were very close and Chelsea and I were actually quite similar in our insecurities we've both been through some pretty horrible relationships we even called ourselves the worthless two during Mm -hmm. it was it was like it was again self-deprecating humor and we told Matt at the final row ceremony you've chosen the most worthless girls out of the bunch but um I think I saw from the start once my edit started getting a bit weird like episode three I called the publicist and I said you're doing the Madonna Hall edit I know you're doing it no we're not we're not and I was like I'm a feminist I know I'm I'm well versed in this you've chosen the wrong person like I know what's happening and I had to brace myself for it I had this epiphany on my Instagram stories the other week I was thinking why was everyone calling manipulative for being sexual and I think it's because people can't accept the fact that a woman can be sexual for herself it's manipulation to try and get the approval of a man and this is from listening to your book I was like Clementine has like I'm in Nirvana like she's like brought me to a new level I was thinking about the whole male gaze thing and how everything a lot of things in my life seem to be centered around how to please a man and peace to men and I think the reason why people didn't like it and so that it was manipulative is because they thought that I was lying about wanting mm. to have sex with him to get it because that's all I had to offer but in fact that's just a big part of me and I hadn't had sex in three months but and it doesn't matter if you'd had sex the week before you went on the show with no. 50 different guys no exactly incredibly high levels of sexuality in a woman are obviously threatening to people it's threatening mm-hmm. to men because as much as they might desire that they're all, they also fear I mean obviously I'm speaking generally <laughs> They also fear what that means that if you've had too many partners, no one ever talks about a man having too many partners, no. but they do talk about women having too many partners. But also what I really hate, and you probably relate to as well, is this horrible, slut-shaming, uh, completely disempowering anti-sex vibe that gets thrown at women that the only reason they're being sexual or the only reason that they are behaving in sexual ways is because they're trying to get love. So men give love to get sex and women have sex to get love. And this is is just, for some people, an accepted fact of men and women when obviously that's bullshit. Yeah, that is bullshit. I mean, a huge part of love for me is very obviously sex. Like the main way that I 
show love is through sex. So it isn't about me presenting it on a platter being like, this is all I have to offer. And I think people thought that I was kind of tricking him, like, oh, poor nerdy Matt. And it's like if a 32-year-old astrophysicist can be manipulated or tricked by a woman who says, I want to have sex with you to take her this far in the show, doesn't that show that he has some issues? If you think that's the reason Mm. why. I got a lot of messages saying that you're obviously the type of girl that is one of the boys, in quotation marks. I, in fact, have no male friends. Like I'm known in my friendship with... High five. I mean, why would I? I mean, I mean, oh God, I was saying, I was talking about this to my friend the other day. I was Just like, a disclaimer, that was a joke. Oh no, we love <laughs> So many disclaimers, otherwise there'll be articles saying Abby Chapman and Clementine Ford high five about killing men. When I fall in love with someone, I really hold on to it because I think this is the last man that I will enjoy their company. Like, do you know what, just on that as well, I mean, we're sort of joking around here, but there's bound to be someone that gets you know, really irate about a joke like that, that you could be a woman that, yeah, you enjoy having sex with men, but you prefer the company of women. Mm. If you say something like that, you are guaranteed to be bombarded by people who, you know, accuse you of being a man hater because, of course, the worst thing that a woman could possibly do in this world is express any sort of disdain for a man at all. Can I just make the point, though, that everyone is totally fine with men not having any female friends, using women to have sex with on a night out or using women for emotional labour when they go out with them or marry them. Mm Everyone's fine with men just needing women for one aspect of their life and then just hanging out with the boys, dub boys, or all, all the other time, like or feeling like they can only relate to men or only working with men or only spending time with men because that's fine. Like it's totally fine for men to crave the company of other men because it's not a threat to them then. But if women say, well, I really just prefer the company of other women, it's always perceived as this sort of... You're a man-hater. The, yeah, well, but also like something supernatural is going on as well like well are you some kind of fucking witch well in fact it's actually i would say women will if if someone has a boyfriend or someone they're seeing and they have a female friend women will be like what's wrong with him it's like if they do have female friends it's like what's what's going on like why why does he like company woman just to hang out with her yeah i mean we're both maths fans yeah and the two the intruder couple on maths i can't remember their names uh Casey, Casey and, and boring guy God, has a weird music Casey and some career. Guy. Yeah, um, but this intruder couple. It was really weird. To, he's got a female housemate and he said that they're really good friends and he said that he, he's always lived with women because he clearly probably is a normal person who, who sees women. women. Yeah, sees women as humans. No, but if he's and not fucking them, what's the point I of them know. being around well, though? she was freaking out about the fact that how can you why would you spend that much time with women if you don't want to have sex with them or if they don't want to have sex with you? And I remember just thinking, wow, that is so sad that you have such mm-hmm. a deep level of mistrust for other women and that you would prefer any male that you're romantically involved with to have no connection with women whatsoever. Almost all of the women on Married at First Sight are too insecure to be dating. One of the most powerful things I have found with my female friends is a sense of recognition. So I don't have to explain to them what sexism is. I don't have to explain to them what it feels like to be undermined at work or to be catcalled on the street or to have been, you know, sexually assaulted in a nightclub because they've Mm. all got an experience of that. Once I realised that that was one of the most powerful things that a good group, like a good coven of female friends could give you, is the sense of relief that you didn't have to constantly explain or convince people of the reality of your life. Yes, it was like this huge weight just lifted off of my shoulders. And so that's what one of the main reasons why I love spending time with women now because it just feels like I don't have to prove anything to yeah, them. Yeah, it's an underlying understanding of I know what you've been through. Like I always yeah. say 
that I would say 90% of my friends have been sexually assaulted. And when I explain that to men, they go, they're being dramatic. And I'm like, no, I mean like someone's raped them while they've been passed out at a party at age 16 or they've been, um, they've had their tits grabbed at a pub by a random guy who says nice tits. Like that is sexual assault. And it's, it's like you're being dramatic. Imagine if I grabbed your cock in the middle of a pub and was like, nice. Yeah. (laughs) Even saying it is ridiculous. Well, it's exhausting. But the other thing as well, that's, that's, you know, becoming more of a common problem too, is the act of Women, young women in particular, although I think it probably happens in all age groups, young women having sex with men where they've consented to the sex but they haven't consented to being choked or to being spat on or to being slapped or to having any number of scenarios that are seen in, and I'm not denigrating porn in general, but seen in certain aspects of mainstream free pornography. They haven't consented to those things being played out in their bedroom. Most women in that situation are equally at a loss for how to respond. The inability to know how to handle situations like that, to say it's not, a, it's not as clear sometimes as saying no because you might want to have sex with someone. You just don't want them to fucking choke you. Yeah, yeah, or finger your asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, or maybe like you do want them to do those things but you'd like to have a discussion cons- about it before. You'd like to consent first and you feel yeah. uncomfortable. Like I'm very much into like BDSM but if a random one-night stand chokes me, I'm like – hold the fuck on, we did not agree to this before and it isn't hot, it's just you're being aggressive and you're playing out like what you've seen in porn and what you think is hot. And don't you think as well that that indicates that they actually don't know anything about what BDSM really is because uh, the very first thing that would take place is a discussion. You're listening to the Big Sister Hotline with me, your host Clementine Ford, and I am very happily joined by my guest today, the lovely, wonderful Abby Chatfield. I just wanted to follow up on... A couple of the reading, uh, the listener questions that we had last week. Um, so last week we spoke about putting too much stock in men to make you happy. And a listener asked us how she should deal with two of her crushes turning up to her birthday party or neither of them and how that might ruin her night. And we talked about how we should never let a man dictate to us whether we have a good night or not and that anything that we may desire with them could just be the cream on top of the cake. So she's contacted us with a little follow-up and she says, Hello, big sisters. Thank you for your advice. Just thought I'd let you know that I did bang one of the guys I mentioned earlier and it was very good and I am quite satisfied. It was the one who let me know he couldn't come to my birthday. The other one who said nothing gets nothing, which is a pretty good philosophy, I think. Yeah, I think so. And another listener feedback, Emma, strongly related to a question last week about how to get your partner to back off about your body hair and she wrote to us saying, Loving the podcast, just finished episode four and here's my own hairy story. I was dating a doctor for a few weeks. We had unexpected sex one night and then I didn't hear from him for a few weeks. I was surprised because I thought we'd had a ball, so I wrote him an email. He wrote back a long time later and noted how much fun we had. Went on to say I was funny, beautiful, intelligent, but that if we were to continue a relationship, I would have to get rid of the hair. He'd apparently never seen so much. It goes all the way to my legs, he said. (gasps) Imagine having hair on your legs. Sorry, that is fucking mental. He's a freaking doctor and he says he's never seen that much hair. Eek. I, of course, sent the email to some friends and I relay the story often and I only saw him once after that when I beat him at the Melbourne Marathon a few months later. Yeah, you did. So let's push on with this week's questions. Please also note my disclaimer in very big flashing lights that neither I nor Abby are doctors, psychologists or professionally trained sex therapists, although we have at least had sex. Mm, Um, times. (laughs) (laughs) We're just two women who've got a little thing called life experience and a low tolerance for dickheads. Mm. So 
First question. Hi, big sisters. I'm 36 and happily married to a man with two kids. I've always had difficult relationships with women thanks to some internalized misogyny and issues in my relationship with my mother. Things really changed about five years ago thanks to some good therapy and educating myself on feminism. And now I have many, many incredible friendships with with women. Recently, I've also started to have some feelings of attraction to women. I've kissed women and slept with, with one woman in the past, but I've always considered myself straight. However, I've recently wondered if I'm bi. I don't feel the need to go outside my relationship, but I think that if I was to have another relationship, I would want it to be with a woman. My question is, can sexuality change and how do I get clarity on this part of myself when I can't and don't want to go outside my relationship? Mm. Now, Abby, you and I are both bisexual yes, women. Yes, bisexual. Well, see, I'm, unco- I, I'm not uncomfortable. I feel strange saying I'm bisexual because I feel like... I'm I have not- similar feels about the word too yeah because i've only dated men and i've slept with three women mm-hmm. and i'm very much attracted to women but i a am too scared to hit on women because i've been one time i was in amsterdam this is a whole sidebar but you can edit this out if you want but i was in amsterdam and i hit on this girl i we were like vibing all night and i went to kiss her and she's like what the fuck are you doing and i was like and then I was 20 and I was like, okay, never again. So I, but if a guy did that to you and said, what the fuck are you doing? That wouldn't put you off ever trying to hit on a guy. That's true. I just, I, I, I get very uncomfortable with it because I don't, I also don't want to claim to be part of the LGBTQIA plus community. If I've dated men, I only date men. I've slept with a few men and I haven't slept with a woman in about, three years but I I just I just I feel weird about it do you ever get like that um yeah I mean I've I've had this conversation with myself a lot about whether or not it's internalized biphobia or if I mean I have that same sense of um I guess reluctance to claim anything because and it is biphobia it is Mm. it is an inability for society to see and accept that there are there is a, a lot beyond the binary of homosexual, heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my longest relationship was with the father of my child. And for a long time, I, I knew I'd had multiple relationships with women before that. I've been in love with women. I've had sex with women. But I felt like once I entered into that very heteronormative kind of uh, family unit, it it felt to me like if I called myself queer publicly, it, took, it actually took a lot of time and a lot of self-talk to be able to remind myself that I'm a legitimate part of that community and that not only am I a legitimate part of the community and do I have a right to claim that for myself because I am a queer person, but that also the queer community I think doesn't benefit from having people who are bisexual opting out of it because they feel like they've conformed somehow to straight life. Like I may be in a relationship with a man that doesn't make me straight. And I forgot that for a while and I felt insecure about it for a long time. But I actually have been rediscovering that aspect of my personality lately and reminding myself that, I mean, the other thing as well is that I don't generally talk a lot about, I don't go into great detail about my sex life with Mm -hmm. anyone beyond my close friends. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I need to, I feel the need to necessarily announce it all the time. Being comfortable with your sexuality is a process that happens for all people, whether or not they're gay, straight or somewhere on the spectrum. And for me, becoming comfortable with my queerness, I prefer to call myself queer rather than bisexual because I feel like I'll just 
I'm just attracted to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So pansexual probably more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of me becoming comfortable with with that was recognising that I don't need to prove it to anybody and I don't need to – it's okay if I'm in a relationship with a man and it's okay if I have sex with a cis man Mm -hmm. because it doesn't negate any of – the other aspects of me or it doesn't negate any of my sexual identity or my relationships with women either. You know, it's it's really strange that we may have had relationships with women but somehow like when we finally get the guy, mm-hmm. one of the things I guess that kind of really made that clear to me was that I didn't want to be a part of reinforcing a narrative that said that you were just with women until you found the right man. Yeah, you were in a phase. I guess it's interesting how if a woman sleeps with other women – it's a phase and it's testing out. But if a man does it, he's exactly. gay. That's it. There's nothing Bisexuality in, in men is extremely interesting to me and I think that a lot of men are far more hesitant to call themselves or to come out as bi well, because of those judgments. I have a bachelor story about this. So I... Is Matt bi? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I was like, I, I'm outing him. No, I told the girls... Um, in the house pretty early on that I'd slept with women before because I'm not ashamed of it. And mm. I think I w- at the time I wouldn't say I was bi. Now I'm more inclined to do it, particularly after that little pep talk from you, Clementine. <laughs> I, I, I told them that. And then a few of them decided that Matt, quote unquote, deserved to know. Oh, I remember that. It was so ridiculous. And they were like, they were like, he he deserves to know things. And that's also where their whole shaming again. A, a lot, yeah, a lot of their um, talking heads and interviews about me not not being honest with him, me not being was from that and from my abortion as well. And which we're going to get into shortly. Yes. The thing is, does he need a list of everyone I've ever slept with? Why does it make a difference that's mm-hmm. been a few women? And they were like, well, you know, if he was a, if he'd slept with guys, I wouldn't know because I would leave if he'd slept with guys. And I, I was genuinely shocked by that. One of the things that I find so frustrating is this accepted, and it's offered just as a blanket statement. Well, no one wants to see two guys kissing, and it's usually men who say it because. They are so deeply homophobic and threatened mm-hmm. by their own complex sexuality that they feel like they don't want to see two guys kissing because what if they enjoy watching it? <laughs> I definitely want to see two guys kissing or, you know, watching gay porn I or whatever. Gay I porn. find it yeah, I find it really attractive and hot mm-hmm. to watch men be incredibly sexual and sensual mm-hmm. with each other. With each other and not be afraid of that sexuality and that pleasure that they feel yep. from being with other men. But I I think that how do you find out if you're I th- I think if you're having these really intense thoughts about being bi you probably are bi like how do you know you're straight before you have sex with a man yeah you know you're straight if you're having thoughts about it and you're turned on by the thought I think you should accept in yourself that you you probably are bi if you're thinking about it so much to write into Clementine <laughs> I think then it's probably a sure thing the thing I don't know how to answer is how to get clarity out without going outside the relationship maybe a threesome but I don't know if that's an option so to the first part of the question can sexuality change I think that sexuality can be fixed and maybe you have always had these feelings but you haven't uh, allowed yourself to be aware of them But I also think that sexuality can change. Oftentimes, particularly in the queer community, um, because of, you know, entrenched homophobia and violence that's done to queer people, some people understandably have the impulse to insist that, no, I was born this way or people were born this way, they can't change. And I do understand that impulse. The problem for me is that what it does is it accepts a situation in which 
someone could say, well, I would change if I could, but I was born this way, so you need to accept me for who I am. Whereas I think we should actually be coming at it from the perspective of you might live until 30 thinking, being fiercely like de- uh, devoted to the idea that you're straight, but then think, you know what, actually I feel there's these other attractions coming mm-hmm. in. I mean, say, f- say for example you do ad- identify as straight, there are probably lots of sexual desires that you had up to a certain point that maybe morphed and changed. So mm-hmm. sexual desires can change over years and over you know depending on what our life circumstances are and what we're being influenced by it stands to reason I think that sexual attraction can change too because to be honest I think that heterosexuality and homosexuality I I do think that it's all a scale you know and some people are very yeah some people are very strongly on one end of that scale and some people are very strongly on the other but I also think that we can move very fluidly throughout it and it's it's only probably really in the recent you know in recent history that sexuality has been seen as this incredibly binary thing and it's just not human nature and it's not the nature of most animal um, species either. Mm -hmm. Life is very long if we're lucky Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to get to the end of it and go, you know what, I wish that I tried things instead of being the good person who did what I was told to. Mm -hmm. Be open and honest with yourself and your desires and don't feel bad about what answers you might find there. Please hold for the next available operator. Is it important to have a period of being single in adulthood? I started dating my current boyfriend at 17 and am now nearly 22. I love him and I think he'd be wonderful to be with and marry in the future as he makes me happy. I wonder though, am I missing out by not being single in my 20s and not experiencing dating with other men? Or have I snagged an amazing guy and a great relationship that many other women would love to have? Abby. Oh, God. This is definitely a question very geared towards you because you're I'm very age. I'm very young. As, yeah, I'm, well, no, I didn't mean it like that. Oh, no, 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 but I am of similar age. See, I, I find it hard to answer this because I have always had really short-term relationships and I kind of – I kind of enjoy short-term relationships because I get to a point and I'm like, cool, I'm done with it. And you're young and you should be having short-term relationships. Absolutely. I think I think it's great if you found someone when you were 17 and they're fantastic and you're in love with them and everything's great and all your boxes are ticked, as so much as I hate that term of boxes being ticked, I think it's fine. What I do worry about is complacency in this romanticised idea of marrying your high school sweetheart. Mm. And I have some friends who be dating guys since they were in year 11 or year 12 and I know they're unhappy, but they won't vocalise it because they're saying, well, I've had seven years with this person, eight years with this person, and we're going to get married. And everyone's asking when we're going to get married mm. and we're meant to be together and is it destiny? It doesn't seem like there are any doubts here, though. So I don't see why there would be an issue there. Yeah, it's fun to find. Except the question by its very nature indicates that there is a doubt. You're Sometimes, asking that question. And this is why you're the feminist queen of Australia, as per no, my I'm ex-boyfriend's. Just, I'm just, I'm just older true. and I have, I have a little bit more, you know. That is a true. More, a few more rounds in the re- at the rodeo under my belt. Oh, my God. The qu- yeah, the question itself is doubt. Okay, now I'm concerned, doll. <laughs> the well, tune listen, has changed. So this is what I would say, and that is that um, you've had four happy, wonderful years with your first great love. Uh, I'm assuming that you maybe not had every first with him, but you might have, you've certainly had the first of a four year relationship that has entered your adulthood. So this is very special and it can be honored and recognized as that. But beyond that, you don't actually owe your life 
to a relationship that was nice at the end of your teens. Mm. And what I've learned as a 38-year-old woman who has had a child and that relationship has um, changed, I I won't say disintegrated, but the relationship with the father of my son has changed. We co-parent now. And I feel like I'm at this point where I, I have a new perspective in that I'm dating, but I'm not dating for the view to, with the view of like locking someone down. I'm not dating with the view of having a child with someone because I've done all that. So I get to actually just enjoy dating for what it is. I'm going to go back to something we said in the last answer. And that is that life, if we're lucky, is very long. And it is possible that you could find, it's possible that anyone listening could find the person that they are quote unquote meant to be with for the rest of their life at 17. But it's also possible that maybe we are not actually meant to aspire to one single person for the rest of our life. And maybe that's just something that we've been made to feel like we should aspire Mm -hmm. to. The person you are at 17 and 22, I promise you, is so different to the person that you are at 30, at 35, at 40, at 45. And it's definitely very different to the person you are after you have children and the, and the, the way in which you view and experience your relationship by necessity has to change for a couple of years mm-hmm. at least. I wouldn't be rushing into, for a start, I wouldn't be rushing into marriage. Oh, no. I definitely wouldn't be thinking that you owe it to anyone else to remain in a relationship that is nice that mm-hmm. makes you happy, that you certainly have like lots of love for this person, but that do you want to look back at 50 and think, well, I spent 30 years of my life with someone so far and it's nice. It was nice. Yeah. It's nice. I think people are really focused on this idea of the one and yeah. having a one, but it's rubbish. Do you listen to Dan Savage at all? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So he always talks about this idea of rounding up to a one. So there are a whole lot of 0.8, 0.7, 0.92s out there. And I think maybe she's felt like she's found the one when she was maybe 17, 18 and now has been like, is it a 0.8? Because it, because it doesn't – you don't have just a one person. Like think about how many friends you have, how many – I have a million friends that I would call my best friend. Mm. Yeah, same. Oh, she's my best friend. My best friend. My best friend. I have yep. seven or eight of them. But why is it that we have one romantic connection that is the one? I mean, mm. I have someone who I am very much in love with, but I still don't think he's the one because there are aspects of him that I'm like, eh, no. And it's, it's, it's areas in which you are willing to compromise in the relationship. Oftentimes when people are asking relationship advice or when they're expressing some kind of doubt, what they're actually asking for is permission mm. to do what they know they want to do. Yes. Notice some wording here. She's gone, I love him and I think he'd be wonderful to be with and marry. Not I want to marry yeah. him. It's I think he'd be a great husband. Yeah. Which is very different to I can't wait to, to marry, marry him. this man. Oh, Clementine. God, she's good, isn't she? <laughs> she's a big sister hotline. Um, Don't even need to have any oh professional God. training for this. <laughs> but not every relationship that ends is a failure. Oh, Absolutely. And this is what I wanted to say as well is that, you know, we've been fed this fucking diet of bullshit that, you know, particularly egregious are the tabloids that do it to us. You know, oh, well, someone like Taylor Swift, who's whatever your feelings are about Taylor Swift, she's in her mid 20s now, and every relationship she has that ends is written off as a failure. Oh, poor lovesick Taylor. She's had another failed relationship. Firstly, she's in her fucking 20s. Like, She's allowed to date and fuck as many people as she wants. She was 16 when she started dating John Mayer, wasn't she? Which, yeah. why did no one say anything about that side I know, note? It's so weird. weird. But also, why, 
Why is the goal, particularly for women, like how many years have the tabloids been trying to put a baby into Jennifer Aniston? The only way that women are seen as being fully rounded, valuable humans is if they marry another human and cre- and create another human. Mm-hmm. They, they can't possibly be happy by themselves because, of course, we're just sitting here like lifeless until a man comes along and notices us. <laughs> You know, a friend of mine, she's a singer and um, she wrote a song in about 10 years ago about a, a, a heartbreak that she had. The woman she was with wanted my friend to promise her that she would love her forever. And my friend said, I can't promise you that. What I can promise you is that I will love you for every single moment of our time. And I wow. love that so much that, you know, we can have one relationship for the rest of our life or we could have 25 different lovers yeah. and each one of them is meaningful in some way and brings something new and different to our life and the ending of that relationship is not a failure, it's just that the tide has come in and then the tide has gone out again and it's changed us completely. To love someone for every single moment of your time doesn't mean you have to love them for the next 50 years. Yeah. Maybe it means that you love them for six months. But it's something that you allow yourself to feel and that is the experience of being human. One person doesn't have to be your everything because they, they can't possibly be. One no. person can't be your absolute everything. So I think there's a lot of a lot of pressure on women especially, yeah, to find that one person, to find their mate and be like penguins. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you're my penguin. <laughs> but also in, in heterosexual like- context as well to land the guy you know, oh, to, oh, she's to, to lock him down. Oh, my ball and chain. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, Even it's... though, by the way, side note, marriage benefits men and disadvantages women. Mm-hmm. I'll never get married next. <laughs> <laughs> the other last very final thing that I wanted to say just about that question is, you know, Abby, you noticed some of the wording. Mm. And, again, like we need to listen to what's being said between the lines here. And our questioner finishes by saying, have I snagged an amazing guy and a great relationship that many other women would love to have? Which indicates to me that, I mean, she's not saying that I love to be in, but this fear or guilt perhaps of, you know, this woman is unhappy and she may not be unhappy with her boyfriend. He might be a really nice guy, but she's clearly feeling she wants to look to new horizons. Mm -hmm. She's been with him since she was 17 and she wants to fuck some other guys or she wants to fall in love with someone else or she wants to travel and be single there are things listener darling listener there are things that you want to do you feel like are you making the right decision because other women would love to have what you have let me just dispel that for a minute that yes there are other women who maybe do look at your relationship and feel uh envious of it or feel like that's what they want but you are not those other women and none of you listening should ever live your life in a way that compromises your values or compromises your desires because you think other women would be grateful to have what you have wow clementine that Stop is it. the best advice i've ever heard and i need to put it in the bank of my mind so i remember <laughs> in future relationships Okay, I'm just going to use that opportunity to go to a message from one of the Big Sister Hotline sponsors. Your skin is unique and so is your journey to long-term skin health. The qualified and experienced team at With Grace Skin Management are passionate about creating tailored solutions for all of your skin concerns. They believe in supporting healthy skin from the inside out with a natural and holistic approach. Located in the heart of Collingwood, they will tailor a skincare regime specifically designed to suit you and your needs. I've personally been going to With Grace for skin treatments for the last year and I've been supremely happy with the appearance and vitality of my skin, particularly after a lifetime spent being all too lax about sun damage and skin protection. Please 
side note, take care of your skin and wear hats. Check them out at withgraceskinmanagement.com or you can follow them on Instagram at withgracespm. So uh, let's go to another question. It may have to be our final question for oh. today because I, I spent talking. Spent too much glorious time talking to you. Oh, my me. God. Too much chat. Dear Big Sisters, I'm in my early 30s, found out I was pregnant two weeks ago, and unfortunately all my partner and I felt was dread. We've discussed having children but have yet to come to a decent conclusion, so I ended up having an abortion. I'm absolutely pro-choice, as everyone should be, but I still feel pretty stupid for letting this happen without being prepared. I also feel weirdly guilty, like if the time comes that we decide to have a child, we won't be deserving. I've discussed this with a few of my friends, and it's been a lovely chance for everyone to open up about their similar experiences, experiences we may not have otherwise shared. These wonderful women definitely don't want children, so they don't quite understand my confusion about how I feel. If we think we want a child in the future, are we awful people for choosing not to have this one? just because they were going to be incredibly inconvenient? Are we possibly too selfish and unorganised to be parents? Why do I feel so awful, even though I know it was a perfectly ethical decision? Um. <laughs> would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I, I mean, i like you to go first. I'm a bit <laughs> emotional, yeah. Listen, firstly... <laughs> Okay, the first thing I'm going to say is congratulations. Congratulations for making a decision that was very hard, that for a lot of different people has, you know, an enormous emotional impact and for other people has no emotional impact at all. You know, there's a whole spectrum of feeling out there and every single person's experience with abortion is valid as long as they don't force that experience on other people. I also want to acknowledge and, you know, pay tribute to your feelings of confusion around this because again whichever part of the journey that we're on influences the decisions that we make now personally I've had two abortions I had two abortions with the same person when we were in our 20s and we were both completely ill-equipped to have children we were also very much in love but we just knew that we weren't ready to be parents um and I don't regret either of those decisions now. I felt nothing but relief afterwards and I still feel really proud of the person who made those choices. The thing about whether or not you should feel guilty or not is that if you don't feel guilty, you don't feel guilty. Mm. If you feel like you weren't ready to be a parent, you weren't ready to be a parent. Asking that question about whether or not should you feel bad because the, the you know you decided that the child would be incredibly inconvenient, as you put it, is actually dismissing your valid and genuine f- recognition and understanding of your life as being something that would not be able to support a child right now. Mm-hmm. Abby. Oh, my God. I can just relate to this question so much. I'm, I had my abortion when I was 22 only, so I'm a little bit different in age. During the show, as we all saw, I was kind of weird about the whole kids thing, but that came from this feeling of guilt and I still really struggle with this in thinking that what if that was my last chance to have a kid what if I I do want children in the good news is that you're fertile yes thank god yes very I mean it was the one time we had sex and I Mm -hmm. took the morning after pill so good on me um I always joked with my boyfriend that we just needed to sit next to each other and I would (laughs) that's how I feel about my ex-boyfriend but to say that because you don't want a child right now says that you shouldn't be able to have a child in the future is completely counterintuitive. I think 
the fact that you've recognised now that you can't have a child and that you don't feel like it's convenient and you can't be the best possible parents that you can be proves that you should be parents in the future and that you are okay to have a, a child in the future. And that's taken me a lot of therapy to understand that for myself mm. because I really have felt guilt. And maybe I don't feel guilt as much anymore, but I feel this kind of sense of like... I wish it didn't happen like that, Mm -hmm. not regretting the decision, but I wish that wasn't how 23-year-old me had handled that. I wish I just wore a condom. I wish it never was um, a possibility. But But do you know what? I just want to interject on that because I think that this is a really important point is that so often in the abortion dialogue, women and people who get pregnant are made to feel like they need to justify their choice. Oh, it was the hardest decision I'd ever made. I feel terrible about it. I feel guilty. Some people do feel those things, but some people don't feel those things, but feel like they need to say those things. And they also oftentimes feel like they need to justify to an outside group of people who have nothing to do with them or their healthcare or their future parenting. They need to justify the circumstances around which they got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, some people get pregnant because they're using birth control and some people get pregnant because they took a risk. I got pregnant twice doing both of those things. And anyone who denies that they've ever, ever had sex by taking a chance is lying Mm -hmm. uh, and is not acknowledging that that's just the way that fucking human sexuality often works, you know? And the the difference between them maybe and us Mm. is that they got lucky. Yes, absolutely. We'll see one of my best friends, um, she's had two abortions and both times she's been like, I'm fine, babe. And I'm like, but and not to make her feel better, I'm like, are you sure you're okay? No, I don't know if you're suppressing this. And she was genuinely, I am okay. I didn't want a kid. And she was, I think she was 19 when she had her first one, then 22 when she had her second one. So everyone takes risks Particularly in a long-term monogamous relationship, you just go... Oh, absolutely. Because I can't take the pill because I get migraines, which obviously is an indication of possible stroke from having... Taking the pill. I don't want to have the marina because it can be really painful for time afterwards and it can come out with the baby in hand. Have you seen that photo of the baby with the the marina in hand? I'm I'm sure that that's not a real photograph but But babe still it's the fear that I have it's ingrained in my brain look I don't think that you again like I'm what I'm hearing is that need to justify you don't need to justify to anyone the reason why you don't want to take medical contraception there is no satisfactory contraception that will work for everybody birth control that's medical fails but it also can have severe impacts on women's physiology and on their mental health yes condoms can, people can have latex allergies, yeah. but also sometimes you just don't, don't use, use one, you know? Sometimes you just don't want to use a particularly in a long-term relationship, you just don't want to use a condom. But it's, it's never like, men who are made to feel guilty about women getting pregnant. It's, it's always women. Pill. You know, whereas real, realistically, like if if people, if men were really that concerned about it, then they should just abstain from having sex altogether. They don't want to do that though either, do they? I mean, absolutely. Oftentimes when the abortion uh, question comes up, People want to justify their anti-choice rhetoric and their hatred of women's freedom by saying, well, haven't you ever heard of contraception? Or one mistake is acceptable, but two, that's just ridiculous. Mm. People say abortion is a form of contraception and I think, no, it's fuck. You oh, think okay, that no, I would that's choose? What I, that's what I want to challenge though, is that I actually, this is, this is my... Oh, okay. Yeah. Hit me. People say that women use abortion as a form of contraception and they do it to shame those women and they do it to 
to somehow like create this idea of the harlot again the sexually irresponsible heathen that can't be fucking bothered Mm. to use a condom never mind the fact that so many women are navigating dating situations and sexual situations now with men who refuse to fucking wear them and being like can't we just wear one night and take it off midway stealthing stealthing Stealthing, that's what it's called so it's somehow women's fault but also i challenge the idea when people say abortion is being used as a form of contraception I challenge that being bad because abortion is a form of contraception. It exists in the wheelhouse of contraception, contraception being something that prevents a pregnancy from being uh, either uh, implanted or carried to full term. And I am firmly and enthusiastically of the view that abortion might be the last port of call in the contraception wheelhouse, but it is part of the options that should be available to anyone who is able to become pregnant and that it should be accepted as that and it should be championed as such. Yes. (laughs) Not to cry. (laughs) Yes, very true. Oh, let me give you a hug. I'm just going to pause that. Honey. Okay. Yeah, anyway. You know, this is why it's really important for us to actually celebrate women's reproductive health care choices. And abortion is is a really strong part of that. When I was 35, I gave birth to my son who I wanted, who I planned for, and who whose pregnancy I hated every second of because I had terrible prenatal anxiety, who left me with, like, physical trauma from birth. You know, so that's another side of things. People want women to just have babies. Incubators and and then just deal with it and that's your body, so deal with it. All that matters is a healthy baby. It's all Um, useful. And I love him and my life would be completely different without him in it and I'm so grateful to have his present. And he would not exist if I'd been forced by someone else to make Mm. a different choice when I was in my 20s and when I found myself pregnant without wanting to be and knowing that I couldn't take care of this child. So firstly, my child matters to me and I'm grateful for his existence and I'm grateful that I was able to make choices that allowed him to come to into existence. But I'm also really proud of myself for making a choice that allowed me to have the career that I wanted mm-hmm. and that is something that we should celebrate too. No one should ever have to feel like they should apologise for putting themselves and their their individual ambitions first. We are allowed to be as ambitious as men are and we are allowed to want to shape a life for ourselves that will satisfy and suit us but that will also lend itself perfectly to any children we want to introduce to it in the future. You're 24 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that when you had this abortion, you were 22. Yes. You do not have to feel guilty Mm -hmm. for looking at your life and saying, I'm a 22-year-old woman with my whole life ahead of me and... To, to prove my worth to the world, I don't need mm. to suddenly become someone else's mother. I mean, the options I feel like when I, in Queensland, when you go in and get an abortion, I don't know if it's the same anymore because it was illegal when I went to get it done, but I think now it's different. But you had to justify why you wanted it done. And the options were financial instability, um, mental health condition or medical issue. And it's like... I, my answer is I just don't want to have it. Like mm. I, I financially could have the baby. I'm financially stable. I have a good job. I have a uni degree, but I don't feel emotionally able to have it. So to understand that it's okay to not want to have it just because you don't want to have a kid and that's mm. the long and short of it is I think really it's it's life-changing and it's an idea that I think we need to instill in young women 
in sex education in high schools and saying that you aren't born to be an incubator to have a kid if you happen to get knocked up. If I have a child in the future, I know that it will be because I have done the things I've done since my abortion and then used that energy to create a career for myself to be able to support a exactly. baby the way that I want to and coming from a single parent And they will be household. proud of you as yes. well. Your child is going to look at you one day, if you have one, mm. and say, I'm really fucking proud of you, yeah. mum. Our entire lives revolve around whether we are or aren't going to have a kid. We have to choose a career. We have to choose a kid. It's completely invalid. Mm. And I felt so guilty about it. And I had the I had the abortion in 2018, I think, and I still feel weird about it. It was two years ago now, but I still feel like weird about it. But I come to terms that through listening to people like you, Clementine, about the abortion and understanding that it, the decision that I make in regards to my abortion now will set me up in the future to have kids in a more stable environment. Well, I'm really proud of you for making that decision and I, you know, I hope that you even if you can't feel it now, I hope that you one day realise how proud you should feel of yourself. And you'll, and to, again, to anyone listening, you know, I'm not devaluing the complicated feelings that some people have about having a, a termination or an abortion. Not everyone wants to have an abortion when they have one. Sometimes they're forced into it because of circumstances beyond their control or because of coercive violence even. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss that, but I also think that there needs to be a a lot more space created for people who can become pregnant to talk about all the reasons why they don't want to be and to recognise that abortion is not something that should be seen as shameful or um, a bad choice that we've made in a series of bad choices, but that actually is something that reflects the incredible tenacity and independence of women Mm -hmm. and I salute you, Abby Chatfield. Oh, same to you, Clementine Ford. (laughs) That does bring us to the end of this week's episode of Big Sister Hotline. You've been listening to Big Sister Hotline, a weekly advice podcast for all the questions you're too embarrassed to ask your therapist. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you look for great content. Send your questions to bigsisterhotline at gmail.com or you can contact me direct on Instagram, which is at clementine underscore Ford. And my guest this week has been the wonderful Abby Chatfield. And you have a new podcast as well, don't you, Abby? I Tell do. me very quickly about that. <laughs> it's called It's a Lot. It's just basically me chatting with uh, people that I admire, people that I like talking to, friends, uh, what are they called? Fucking public figures is the word, um, about feminism, sex, relationships, anything that I find interesting. So it's at It's a Lot Pod on Instagram and you can find me on Apple Podcasts. All the best stuff. Yes, you can check out Abby's new podcast, It's a Lot with Abby Chatfield on Apple Podcasts right now. Joining me next week on the Big Sister Hotline will be one of the most incredible literary writers I know and one of my very best friends, Alice Robinson, author of 2019's terrifying dystopian climate change novel, The Glad Shout. We can answer any and all questions but you should know that Alice and I are both single moms navigating the dating world as late 30s feminists. So if you have a burning question around any of that, please send it in. And remember, there's no topic too thorny and no question too weird for the Big Sister Hotline. Abby, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I just think you're amazing and um, I'm really glad that you could be here. Oh, Dino, thanks for having me. Bye. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.